This is a shock podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan. Hello, everyone. This is Jed. And welcome to episode two of From Great to Great podcast. Hello, Jed. Hello. How's everything? I'm good. It's the start of summer, and yep. it's very warm now in the Philippines. And so many countries have started to open up their countries' borders. So I am planning, crossing my fingers, that I'll be able to fly to Malaysia soon because I have so much unfinished business that I have. Left behind since oh, really? I, I keep a home in Kuala Lumpur, as many people would know. So I have to manage a lot of things there. So I can't wait to go back and also see a lot of my friends. How about you? What's your plan this summer? I think I'm just gonna have a good break from the business that I'm working on at the moment, and of course, the thing that I've been talking about for the past few weeks, which is our home renovation. So I just <laughs> like to go to the beach or maybe hike the mountains of Luzon. Am I gonna be um, part of your beach? Reason. Am no. I gonna be part of your beach escapade? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. It's sure. going to be more of a solo trip for kind of like a meditation, sort of a soul searching kind of thing. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. I've also been into shopping lately, um, some retail therapy because I've been more comfortable going out now, like into shops, mm-hmm. into stores. I feel guilty because I've been buying lots of shoes and clothes lately because I want to look good now that I'm able to go out again into bars and clubs. <laughs> Yeah, like the bars are opening up. I can see people like really dressing up lately, huh? So since we're talking about looks, Jed, I think this is something that is understated and usually not discussed. And yet it's an important Mm -hmm. aspect of our success. Do you think, speaking of looks, that one's appearance influencers success at work? Do you agree? On a scale of 1 to 10, do you think so? Oh yeah, for sure. Between the two of us, who do you think is more good looking? (laughs) I think, let's put our listeners to judge. Wow, such an (laughs) Admirable trait of okay, let me just ask a question in a vacuum. How good looking do you think you are on a scale of one to ten? Hear me out first. I think looks are judged by other people and not by yourself. Because I think judging yourself is quite unfair. Okay, so answer my question based on how do you think people see you as a person in terms of your looks? That's a better question. I would say... Just give me a number! Eight. (laughs) Eight. Okay, wow. I do know that most of our friends and colleagues and even relatives would say that you're marginally more good looking than I am. I don't know why. I think because you have better skin than I do. You know, it really doesn't bother me. It it does bother me sometimes. Anyway, so I do believe as well that good looks can propel you to success. It's not the end-all and be-all, but it does have a significant influence, especially depending on the industry that you're working with. So today's podcast is going to be about that. Do good looks influence your success at work? And what have been the structures and policies in place that mitigate unfairness at work so that people focus more on merit and output rather than on being under the spell or the illusion that someone performs better just because they look better. There's a term for it, Jed. It's called lookism. Mm, lookism. So, so there's such a thing as uh, ageism. Ageism meaning you mm-hmm, prefer yeah. younger people at work because you think that they're more energetic. There is sexism, believing mm-hmm. that males get to perform better also than females. And there's lookism, meaning you prefer people who are more good looking and there's this mindset that 
good-looking people get to do things better and also faster. And when you look at literature, this is the interesting part because as someone who does a lot of motivational talks and organizational behavior research, as I've checked all throughout published journals, there's pretty much consensus into saying, yes, if you happen to be good-looking according to the standards of society, you do have an advantage. One of my favorite studies, and this is authored by, I can't pronounce the name properly, so I'm sorry if I'm butchering it, May Stripieri, Henry, and Nichols. These are three authors. And they have this interesting study entitled Explaining the Financial and Pro-Social Biases in Favor of Attractive People. There's this sentence that strikes me, and I think it summarizes it well. And the sentence goes, physically attractive individuals are more likely to be interviewed for jobs and hired. And I'm not disagreeing with that. They are more likely to advance rapidly in their careers through frequent promotions also agree with that. And they earn higher wages than attractive individuals. Jed, based from your experience, would you agree with this? Um, There is truth that interviewers prefer people who are actually attractive and they get a fast pass on getting interviewed. Which is why in some countries like United States and United Kingdom, they strongly discourage applicants to include their photos in their resume. Yep. For reasons that some applicant might file a lawsuit saying that they were discriminated based on their looks, based on their race. For example, that you were not even given a chance to be interviewed just because you were not as good looking as someone else. So let me just tell you this. When I was working in Singapore, I was looking for some employees to be working with me. So um, meaning you're, you're I was, a hiring manager, you mean? You yeah, were I was a hiring manager back then. As an associate, I need some junior architects working with me. And when I asked the HR to give me a set of resumes, there are resumes that have photos and there are resumes that do not have And when I was judging through, I look more on the merits and the credentials more than the photos. In fact, when I interview them, I'm just using it. (laughs) It's really true. It's really true. Hear me out because every time I do the interview itself, I always tell those interviewees, I hope you don't get this wrong, but I wish that you do not put your photo in your resume Mm. because you would want to be judged by your credentials, by your merits, and not through how you look. Mm. Agree, agree. Although I must say that that I think is pre social media era. Mm Because these days, all our LinkedIn accounts have photos with them. And LinkedIn is one of the primary means of getting invited for a job interview. So I think that part is already out of the window. So I'm not sure how that bias is being corrected these days because there is no such thing as having a LinkedIn profile without any photo. It's a non-negotiable part of a social media account these days. Yeah, I was just about to say this as well. I think putting photos on our resumes are more of an Asian thing more than a Western thing. But hey, LinkedIn accounts also now have lots of photos and the Western world are very big when it comes to using LinkedIn. I agree. But in terms of social context, you know, for example, Japan, you have to have photo on your resume. Mm -hmm. In South Korea, you have to have a photo on your resume. In the Philippines, I always get resumes with photos on them. I think it's because from an Asian perspective, we are very pretty much drawn to the packaging. Mm -hmm. So we think that the way you choose a certain photo for your resume says something about how you present yourself and therefore how you perform at work. I think it has something to do with how our parents, it says something about how you were raised by your parents, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that in Asia, skin color, for example, is pretty much judged based on how fair it is based on your Mm -hmm. socioeconomic class. And I've noticed this in the study, again, of Maestri, Pieri, Henry, and Nichols. It says there, there's a bias against obese, oddly dressed, 
and tattooed candidates or anyone whose visuals in their bodies do not fit a society's aesthetic criteria. And I get it. It's part of evolution. We judge based on their appearance because it helps us survive better. If it doesn't look good, don't eat it. If it looks bad, it might harm you, for example. So I totally get it, but that's how life is, right? Good-looking people do definitely advance their careers faster. So one of the ways is either to shape up or ride with the tide. I think the key word here is also conformity. So branding of a certain company is easier when everyone is the same, meaning everyone looks good, everyone is dressed properly, everyone is fit and healthy, and everyone doesn't have tattoos. I think that also applies, however, if your company is relatively small or medium-sized, because that means you get to control the population. But if you're a company like, I'll give an example, like Google, thousands and thousands of employees, not only are they progressive in a sense that they allow people to celebrate their individuality, down to their gender, down to their sexuality. Mm -hmm. But I also think if you happen to be a big company, you really can't determine and impose how your people should look like. So for smaller and medium-sized companies, I think that works. But for bigger ones, I think it's going to be a challenging part as well. Just to put this into practice, just to prove to people that this is really what we're doing as society, let's play a game. Survey says, are you okay with that? Because I prepared a question and I want to see if you have the same answers as mine. So let's pretend you're doing a contest, uh, an online show called Survey Says. And let's say we surveyed X number of people. And the question is, name three jobs aside from acting or anything that involves showing your face that you think you need to be good looking in order to be hired. Okay, that's easy. Name me three jobs. Okay, give me one. Number one is sales, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, that's my number one answer as well. It would have to be sales. Number two would have to be in the healthcare system where like, for example, you're a doctor or you're a nurse. Really? Or you're a caregiver. Maybe when you're a dermatologist, I guess, or a dentist. But I don't think you have to be super good looking for you to be a doctor. I mean, I don't mind if my Maybe it helps, (laughs) I would say. I think it's unfair to judge a dermatologist if he or she has bad skin because she's taking care of your skin. But I think if the doctor is, let's say, a gastroenterologist or an oncologist, I don't think you need to be that good looking, right? Mm, Maybe good skin or good teeth. But okay, moving forward. So you said healthcare practitioner, give me one more. I hope you get this right because this is an industry where I came from. And I've noticed, oh my gosh, everyone is so good looking in this industry. Flights, attendants. Yes, cabin crew. Cabin crew folks are so good looking. So when I work for Air Asia, I'm like, oh my gosh, that person's good looking. That person looks like a celebrity. I mean, not all of them are, but they're very presentable. And I think that's an important part because you're in the business of not only managing what happens in the flight, but also you're in the business of having to talk to people and engage with them and interact with them. Similarly, but also because you're the face of the company. You're yeah, the you're face the of the brand. Yeah. Same thing with sales. Like It's not just about how good looking you are. Do you notice that salespeople mostly are tall, taller mm-hmm. than the average? And that's because it's scientifically proven that when someone is relatively taller, we think that they have more command. We think that they are more good looking because a taller person has the ability to protect you from potential harm. Right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of studies that show that the average American CEO's height is above six feet. And that's because their height gives them that might the belief that they can command, the belief that people will respect them. And just the idea that taller people, 
I do think that taller people are sexier because, again, I, I want to go back to that same reason. They can protect you from any harm because they can step onto anyone. I think it's a very crude way to see it. But I think in the olden times, that's how it is. So good looks applied in across industries does give you an advantage, especially when you are in the sales department or engaged in any business that involves customer engagement. Right. I'm also going to add this. That's a fair point. Look at beauty pageants, for example. When you join any beauty pageant, you have to be at least, I think, five five. In the cabin crew industry as well, I think you need to be 5'5 five, five at least. And that in itself is a manifestation that we do attribute that height is an important aspect of your looks, of your right. how people perceive you. Let's flip the table here because okay. not all the time that good looks and good height would bring you to greater heights in your career. You Wait, know, there's do you a mean study. it could be a bad thing if you're good looking? At it work. could be a detrimental. Mm-hmm. So there was a study in the 1970s. It's actually called Beauty is beastly effect. So it's beastly a, effect. Yes, it's a phenomenon whereby the attractiveness can be detrimental precisely to women in certain employment contexts. So what I'm trying to say is that there is a perceived lack of fit for good-looking women in industries where it is pretty much pervasive with male aggression. Ah, I get that. I'm not sure if I'm generalizing with this. Like, so for example, in an automotive industry, mm-hmm. or construction industry, construction industry where it's expected or maybe they have to be a managerial masculine. role. Ah, because we always perceive that leaders have to be males, especially in male-dominated societies as well. Yeah, exactly. So there is a perception that if you're a very good-looking lady and you are going to be a manager or maybe a CEO of the company, that extreme good look is equivalent to becoming too feminine Mm. and it's becoming weak. Can I connect the dots here? I think that's also the same reason why in positions of power, females tend to have deeper, lower voices. And I think we had this discussion Mm. last time. Remember? Yeah. We had this discussion in last season wherein for you to be more commanding, you have to lower your voice. And that also applies to women. Like Margaret Thatcher, for example, if you guys were listening to our past episodes in season one, Margaret Thatcher had a voice coach who taught her how to speak lower so that her colleagues in the parliament would respect her. And one example for this is Elizabeth Holmes. Are you familiar with Elizabeth Holmes, Jed? No. Come on! That girl who owns Tyrannos. No, the one with the What? Okay. Well, (laughs) now you know. So she is considered by Forbes magazine as the next Steve Jobs because she was pushing for this device that allows you through a single drop of blood you would be able to discover all types of diseases and eventually be able to mitigate future conditions, medical conditions in your body. The problem was it was a fraud. So she was trying to push a device that wasn't properly built and they were starting to fake the results. The idea, mm-hmm. however... Was oh, that, yes, yes. I remember you, this now. You know this yeah. woman. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's an HBO documentary about this now. But anyway, she has been caught many times lowering her voice to mimic a man when, in fact, her voice, obviously, is more high-pitched. So mm-hmm. she was artificially making it low-pitched. And I think voice doesn't have anything to do with looks, but it's mm-hmm. still part of your packaging. Yes. And I think sounding high-pitched or sounding feminine in a position where people expect you to be masculine or in a masculine-dominated industry, unfortunately, backfires against you. 
So, Jed, second part here I want to discuss because I want to be practical. Okay, so what do we do if you're not blessed with good looks? And I'm not here to give tips, but I want to discuss what the literature says or what the society is doing right now because I don't think I have the credibility. I'm not a super model who can say that. But what do you think are people doing these days to compensate mm-hmm. that? We're, we're, we're in the age of social media. We're in the age of TikTok, Instagram. The multiverse is happening soon. I think that since 2015, 2016, when social media has exploded, I haven't seen such an explosion of people getting into cosmetic surgery to the point that it has become so normal that people aren't even embarrassed to do it. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with this. Korea, South Korea, is one of the cosmetic surgery capital of the world, wherein it's so normal for people to do cosmetic surgery to enhance their looks such that after they graduate from university or high school, kids get gifts from their parents in the form of a cosmetic surgery. Surgery. I mean, you can Google it. There are documentaries about this. I've also seen this often on TikTok. It's so normal. There's this trend called my rhinoplasty surgery. I'm not sure if you've seen that. I've seen wow. it a lot of my al- algorithm. So they document their musings of wanting to make their nose look sharper down to the ideation to consultation with the doctor until it finally got healed. You know, all complete with the sounds, the dancing, etc. And I won't be surprised because the more you normalize this, the more people think that, hey, I also want to get that because I want to improve and enhance how I look. It involves money, but hey, I think that money is an investment if it allows you to get a job later on or allows you to be more pleasant in the eyes of people so that you're more also likable. How about you, Jed? so interesting. Yeah. How do you think other people compensate if ever they don't have good looks? It's very simple. It's all about power dressing. Mm, okay. So I, let me give I, you an example. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Can I just add this? I'm sorry for our other, co- uh, other listeners who may be from other countries, but in the Philippines, we have this term called, if you cannot perform... Japorm. <laughs> so, so Japorms is like it's a, a Filipino slang. It's a Filipino slang for good looks. Like try to um, zhuzh it up by dressing well, styling your hair, etc. So when you say if you can't perform Japorm, it means if you can't perform at work, try to get a good rating from your boss by looking good instead. So if you can't mm. speak well, don't speak, but dress up well. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, what you were, you were saying. As I was saying, there are some companies, for example, in Japan where I worked, my architectural firm, Niken Seke. It was the first time in my life where part of the documents that are given to you when you get first employed in the company is this brochure that is a style guide. That's what it's called. So it's like a mini magazine telling you what are the types of dresses that are appropriate for the office, what are mm. the types of dresses that are appropriate for meetings outside or so even meaning, in the construction site. So meaning they want to standardize how their employees look like. Yeah. You know, and, I'm not going to judge them because you know, technically this is what all other companies are doing when they require their employees to wear a uniform. When schools that's require... True. That's fair enough. Right? When schools require their students to wear a uniform. Of course, some people can wear jewelries, but the uniform standardize how you look because you want to mitigate certain people who may have bad fashion sense and that might not look good if they are facing a customer. Yeah. When I was working for Globe Telecom, this was my first ever company. And this is why you might notice, listeners, that a lot of my examples come from this big, giant telecommunications company. We were given clothing 
allowance. And I think a lot of companies do that. Like every year, we were given 100 US dollars. That's about 5,000 pesos. That's around 500 ringgit for our folks from Malaysia. And the reason for that is because, hey, we want you to look good. So here's money. Make sure you look good. Buy some nice shirts, shoes, etc. So that when you face customers, you appropriately dress for the occasion. So this is not just about looking good, but it's also about feeling good. Because I think when you wear something that you're very comfortable with, when you wear something that you think speaks highly of yourself, it emanates down to your choice of words, to how you move your hands, to how you walk, and people will notice that. I noticed that people in the marketing department dress up really well. Yeah, those in the sales as well. Sales as well. They dress up really well. I think because it also comes with a personality when you happen to work in extroverted roles that involve Mm -hmm. speaking, displaying yourself. It comes also with that bravado that you want to dress up well. Are you trying to imply that those who are working in the audit or the accounting departments would be wearing sloppy dresses? Uh, or maybe IT? Let's just say, okay, this is, I'm speaking from personal experience. Let's just say that in all of the three companies I've worked with, my attention is usually grabbed by people in sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I, I think it's a better way to frame it rather than, oh my gosh, did you see that associate from finance? She was swearing this, blah, blah. And I, I, I have an experience. And this is me coming from a guy wherein I don't really notice how people wear their clothes. I mean, in my case, it's sneakers that get my attention, which you, I usually don't see because I usually see that only on a Friday casual day. But yeah, I don't think it's normal to see that in those departments. Anyway, if you're not blessed with good looks, you can compensate with mention number one, externally enhancing your body. We mentioned about power dressing. Third, I am a big believer of this and I think it works well for me. Confidence is something that you can wear. And I think that there is nothing as sexy in this world as someone who knows what she wants, who knows what he needs to do and does not second guess his decisions. Do you agree? Totally like, agree. Like, like, have you been in this situation, in, in those meetings we're in? This person isn't really that good looking. He or she is so-so average. But when they start speaking, I'm like, man, there's something sexy about that. Have you been in those meetings, Jed? I have. Yeah, there are. there's a term for it, gravitas. So it's basically gravitating everyone's attention when you talk or Meeting when you your just presence. Walk. Yeah, the your presence. presence. It's like the aura you fill the entire room. True. You can also add kindness. Because I think there are moments wherein a meeting is so heated and people are starting to go up against each other. And then there's going to be this one person who will speak calmly and gently and tries to burst the bubble of everyone in a positive way and say, wow, that was so nice of her to say that. That was so generous of him to say that. And you gravitate towards the kindness of the person and you get enchanted by the person's pleasant way of approaching you. I'm not sure which episode did we discuss this. I was talking about one of my favorite articles published in Harvard Business review. Competent jerks, lovable fools, and the formation of social networks Ah, were in. We said when people were forced to choose between choosing colleagues, would you choose someone who's competent or would you choose competent but not likable or likable but not competent? And people ended up choosing the latter because even if you may not be the best performing employee, you can learn and be trained, but you cannot manage personality overnight. Mm -hmm. So I do think that kindness goes a very long... Kindness is sexy. And I do think in a time of social media where everyone just tries to cancel each other, I do think that kindness can go a long way in organizations. I totally agree. Ladies and gentlemen, before we end, this is not to say that you can't have both at the same time. I do think you can be good looking. I do think you can be competent. And I do think that you can be kind at the same time. Can yeah, you that's name a, a perfect person. Can you, 
<laughs> I was about to say, wait a minute. I cannot name anyone who looks no. like that, who is like a. Or maybe, maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe we yeah. haven't met that person yet. Definitely anyway, not both of us. Definitely <laughs> not. I, yeah. No. <laughs> maybe the partner that I mean, you're taken. I am not. Again, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, it's April 2022. I am still single. Just in case anyone wants to apply and wants to be in partnership with me in the future. <laughs> good looks not essential. No, good looks are essential. You have that has okay. to be a given. <laughs> So, Jed, I'm going to wrap this up. Again, just to close this, I do think, and it's proven in a lot of anecdotes, good looks can get you as far as the average person when it comes to conquering your career. Mm -hmm. But it's not the end-all and be-all. I do think that there are many ways to compensate. And there are a lot in the time of technology, in the time of social media. And good looks are important. But at the end of the day, if you are not performing well in your company and you're not liked at all by your colleagues, you will also not get promoted or be elevated to the next position. What are your thoughts? You know, one of my favorite quotes that I always live by is discipline can make up for the lack of talent. And I can mm. say that the discipline could also make up for the lack of good looks. So it's all about trying to be better, improving yourself, improving your character, your attitude, your confidence at work that could make up for the lack of good looks that you have. And, and hey, can I just add, th- th- this is one thing that I think makes us feel better because it's the truth. Good looks fade, Yeah, right? Exactly. At some point, good looks fade. But the ability to charm, the ability to manage a conversation for more than an hour with someone, the ability to be liked by other people is something that you will need on until you die. Yeah, the ability to persevere to improve. So Jed, um, I'm gonna make myself look better now. I'm going to the to my barber, my stylist, so I can have my haircut. So. <laughs> Maybe I'll get some nicer shorts and nicer shirts for the beach now because okay. I'm really needing a break. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Yes. Bye. bye. 